The objective, to deliver the NBA to you like no other. News, play breakdowns, power rankings, storylines you never hear talked about anywhere else. It's all straight shots here. Fired by straight shooters. S and gun. This is the Objective Basketball Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Objective Basketball Podcast. Lauren, S here, chilling, relaxing. Except you are not chilling and relaxing. You are doing the very opposite of that. You've had a hectic 24 <laughs> hours, an insane 24 hours. I, uh, before we jump into everything, it's funny because we did the reaction pod, the emergency reaction pod, if you will, to Kyrie Irving's trade demands. Uh, and then less than 48 hours afterwards, Kyrie Irving is indeed traded to the Dallas Mavericks in exchange for mm-hmm. Spencer Dinwiddie, Dorian Finney-Smith, a 2029 first round pick and a couple of second round picks as well. I uh, also, l- not to be remiss, Markeith Morris is also going to the Dallas mm-hmm. Mavericks. A little mm-hmm. a little, little bit there. Lauren, you did your spiels on on twitter the 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 long paragraphs essay worthy i think we <laughs> should start getting you to write for sdpn just you know a little bit of little some bit of, of those paragraphs throw them, on the, <laughs> throw them onto the website but i i before i jump in with my opinion yeah. on what this whole thing is because i am curious to see what your opinion is you seemed like from the mavericks perspective that you didn't mind the deal, that you you kind of made sense of it. So I, I wanted to see what you thought before we jump into everything. The whole the whole Kyrie Irving debacle. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, there are many many um, aspects that you can come from with it. I know you know I know your biggest concern as far as as far as the defense, or at least that's the impression that I'm under. Um, I think for Dallas, the biggest thing, and I and I included it in that tweet. If if it, for anyone that hasn't seen it, is that this was an opportunity for Dallas to become more competitive and add a big talent, whether it be, you know, part-time or full-time, but that's, I'm sure we'll get to that in a bit. Um, this was an opportunity for them to add talent and Luca signed off on it. And, and Luca signed off on moving on from his best friend on this team, right. uh, since he has entered the picture in Dallas. And so to me, that says everything with how much he has wanted to be in a position to compete, um, with the, the, size of the risk and the gamble that even Luca is willing to take and sign off on. Um, so for Dallas, I mean, at the surface level, it's kind of like, God, really, this is, this is the move that you made. Like this is your home run swing with Luca. And this, what's crazy is that this could end up being their only swing. The crazy part and, and why I am okay with the move is if they had stood, I guess, Pat and continued to wait, especially with how this Christian Wood situation might pan out. Another thing I'm sure we'll get to is they could have never had an opportunity to really land someone. They could have been Mm -hmm. waiting, trying to get a seat at the table on anyone that became available, whether it be someone in the Pascal Siakam category in the future, or even someone in the Zach Levine with the injury concerns and the contract and all that. And they still might not have ever been the team that came out and was able to land that player. So for Dallas, finding yourself in a desperate situation in a high risk, high reward, I mean, it's not surprising. And to me, they made the best of what their current reality was. So for those reasons, and even 
ultimately when he does decide to move on, because that is, I think, what everyone is is under the impression and, and probably believes, I do think that even then, when they try to move on, um, they will still have options moving on from there um, unless he walks in free agency, which, you know, is a real possibility, but there are levels to that with the money that becomes available and and options then. So for Dallas, I think shaking it up to really change your current and your future was something that they desperately needed to do, which is why I signed off on the move. What do you think of the whole um, Kyrie has connections to Nico Mannion and Jason Kidd? Mm -hmm. And, you know, there was this, there's this, section in the Shamsharania article, I believe last night saying that they believe they have the infrastructure and the culture, by the way, we have the exact same mugs. Um, they have, I the, love that. <laughs> they have the infrastructure and the, the, the structure to be able to kind of keep things pushing and make sure that Kyrie is implemented properly and that he's IE happy and also mm-hmm. can, can kind of play games for you. Do you think that is true? Do you think that is something to keep that holds weight for you when it comes to this decision? <laughs> I'm glad you phrased it as hold holds weight with me because it it holds no weight with me. <laughs> there is there is no um containing predicting Kyrie Irving. It's the talent, that's what you sign on for. Um and so I think it definitely helps that there's an a, previ- a previously established relationship with with Nico Harrison and an established Nico Harrison. Er- I said Nico Mannion. I know you did. When of, you said I Nico Mannion, bas- I was like, "Dang, look at that call out." <laughs> oh my god. I, <laughs> but, yo, that was such a that was such a random slip for those who don't impressed. know Nico Mannion, uh Golden impressed. State Warriors guard, go- yeah, former Golden State Warriors guard Nico Mannion. Oh my god. I can't believe I said that. Okay, At sorry. At least the Go name ahead. is is in there. At least it's in there. Um, I'm going to yeah. be on my deathbed thinking about Nico Mannion. All right, go ahead. Go ahead. No, but yeah, but with, with Nico and, and, and with Jason Kidd, there's the mutual respect from Coach Kidd um, and Kyrie, which I think is a, is a huge part of it. I think that could have been a huge factor in what ultimately happened uh, with yeah. Steve Nash and in Brooklyn. And so I think the Mavs have at least that going for them. Uh, but another part of it that I don't I, I don't really know that I've seen many people talk about it. People have talked about the ISO scoring, but Jason Kidd's scheme is ISO scoring, passing and cutting, yeah. the occasional ball screen. There's not a whole lot of creativity, if you will. There's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of motion. And so having a Kyrie and a Luka that is going to significantly help them because as talented as Kyrie is, he's also very effective off ball. And and for Luca, that is going to be a huge, huge thing. Um, we'll see how they fit with the ball dominance and how that uh, is kind of split up. But between the ISO game, both of them being so talented inside and out at that le- or in that regard, and with Coach Kidd and how he likes to play, I do think from a basketball side of things and an offensive side of things, it will be a good fit. So I agree with you. I, from, from what you said, I hundred percent agree with you. I think basketball wise, a lot of people are underrating Kyrie's ability to mesh with whatever superstars. If we, if we consider, you know, he was next to LeBron James, a ball dominant player in himself, right? A lot of people have brought up the whole ball dominant aspect of Luka Doncic without recognizing what Kyrie Irving has done off ball. I think throughout his career, he's shown that he can do that. If we're talking about just the on-court stuff, it is absolutely true that I think the the pairing makes a lot of sef- sense offensively. You you have Luka Doncic, who is this otherworldly uh, advantage creator, next to Kyrie Irving, who 
by himself is an otherworldly advantage creator. These guys will be able to create advantages out of thin air. So even the supporting cast, whether it be a Josh Green, whether Christian Wood ends up staying, whether it's Max Kleber, whoever, Tim Hardaway Jr., uh, Reggie Bullock, right? Wh whoever is those other three guys on the court, they will feast because of the advantages that these two create. Um, the shot making, mm -hmm. the profile that Kyrie Irving has as a person who you can rely on in ISO situations to score for you. I think it's actually probably one of the better pairings that Kyrie has been a part of even though I agree Kevin Durant and 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 man Kevin Durant is one of the best off-ball scorers of all time probably maybe the best off-ball scorer of all time and the way that they worked off of each other was tremendous to watch as well LeBron James and Kyrie Irving we it's well documented with the 2016 Cavaliers run I just think in terms of pure advantage creation the way that, like you said, the Mavericks like to play this ISO-heavy basketball, you need these two guys at the point of attack who can create for you, who can essentially muster up advantages out of thin air. Mm -hmm. uh, and those two do it. Offensively, there's no question. Defensively, I have some questions. And I think the biggest the biggest reason I have a question about the defense is because you're trading away Dorian Finney-Smith. Uh, he mm -hmm. was your 3 and D wing throughout that Western Conference Finals trip. Uh, last season, he was the guy who was guarding your wing player, whether it had been Andrew Wiggins in the the you know Western Conference Finals, or if it was any of the other wing players that they had to try to guard through rounds one and two. I will say though, I think they're not done yet. I don't mm -hmm. think they are finished with the moves that they have to make. I think they recognize that. You know, Mark Stein obviously reported that they're probably not done. Maybe there's a Christian Wood move that happens. I know there were discussions about Tim Hardaway Jr. beforehand. So maybe there's more out there for them to do to refine this roster and make it more sense. Make, excuse me, make it more, make it make more sense towards mm -hmm. this summer. Uh, right. Not this summer, but just this playoff run that they're about to be on. Which brings me to this. Mm -hmm. The short term and long term aspect of this is the thing that I am questioning. Because if this is a rental... Mm -hmm. then you paid too much for it to be a rental because you have that 2029 pick. You have Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith who are rotation players, playoff rotation players, guys who can play for you. Dinwiddie was good for you guys this season. I'm sure you probably agree with that. Um, DFS, obviously, he's had a down year shooting-wise, but I think overall you rely on a guy who's a 3 and D defender like that anytime out of the day. Those are two guys that you rely on. Mm -hmm. I think... In the grand scheme of Mavericks assets world, those are two guys plus the 2029 pick that you later could have packaged for something bigger, better. And to your point about you never know when that star comes out, I think the only pushback I have on that is because we haven't had that star ask out. Uh, over the last, you know, five or six months that mm -hmm. other than Kevin Durant, right? right? We haven't had that big young star who's like, nah, I'm done with it. I'm tired. That I feel like we're on the precipice of having multiple stars yeah. at some point ask out. Whether it be a Zach Levine, whether it be a Carl Anthony Towns, whether it be a Trey Young, there are going to be players who are available this summer. And mm -hmm. the asset pool opens up for you so much more because you have a you have those other picks available to you to make those moves. Right. We, we can we can talk about that later. If you if you have any pushbacks on that, we can sure. talk about that in a sec. But if you're going to sign up for a long-term deal. Mm -hmm. You can't play hardball with Kyrie Irving. This right. summer, if, I mean, we saw the Nets just now play hardball with Kyrie Irving mm -hmm. and lose. Right. Uh, they they lost that situation because it got to the point where it's irreparable. They had no way to fix that relationship. And it came down to money. 
it came down to uh, ad quoted by Shamstrani and others uh, fundamental differences with the organization <laughs> in massive gigantic air quotes mm-hmm. um, Michael Bay title screen air quotes I'm talking about <laughs> and, and and I I just I think for me it's like look the long term version of this I have questions whether Kyrie signs up with the Mavericks mm-hmm. long term. Or he doesn't sign up with the Mavericks long term. If he doesn't, you already know what the situation is. You've now lost an asset. You've given up the players that you want to give up. You you, you could have given up for a bigger deal. And now you're kind of stuck in the mud. I understand the max cap space situation. Yeah. I get it. But even that. But even that. And look, I mean, you, out of all people, will know the Mavericks haven't had the best of luck when it comes to signing, uh, you know, free agents in the summer. Mm -hmm. How you are able to attract those free agents Maybe you say that Nico Mannion slash Nico Harrison is the one, <laughs> is the one that can kind of it, that can attract a free agent. You know, obviously with his Nike connections, mm-hmm. maybe Mark Cuban, maybe Jason Kidd, a, a very well respected coach among players. That mm-hmm. kind of nucleus is enough to attract a big name star. Although right. this this summer there really isn't that big name star out there. I I just mm-hmm. my question is, if he opts out long term, doesn't make sense. If he opts right. in. And he inks a four-year deal with you. I'm going to go ahead and recap what the last four years was for the Brooklyn Nets. So Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, and DeAndre Jordan signed on in Brooklyn in 2019 uh, after a riff a few months after they signed because of uh, of J- Najak Vaughn. Sorry, Kenny Atkinson not starting DeAndre mm. Jordan. They ended up firing Kenny Atkinson, the person who who created the whole you know fun <laughs> nucleus of the Nets culture and whatnot. They fired him. They uh, made Jacques Vaughn the interim coach, and then Steve Nash was later hired. Uh, under that first season, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving practically missed the entire season. KD missed the entire season. Uh, January 7th, 2021, this is almost a full year after the whole Kenny Atkinson being fired situation. Kyrie's absent for personal reasons for two weeks and is caught at his sister's birthday party just days later. And then in that summer, uh, in, in, the, in the playoffs, he gets hurt. The whole toe situation with Kevin Durant, you, you know the saga there. They lost out on a on a potential conference finals run because of that. So mm-hmm. we move on to the 2021-2022 season, and now we have the whole vaccine saga. He is mm-hmm. unwilling to do the vaccine. I, I say saga because this would be Star Wars-esque if I tried to detail <laughs> every aspect of it mm-hmm. for you. You can it go would. and check it out. Kyrie is ineligible to play in home games because of the vaccine saga. Then Kyrie becomes part-time. Then there is a rift between James Harden and Kyrie Irving, which forces Kyrie Irving to end up moving. Sorry, which forces James Harden to end up asking out for a trade. James Harden gets traded for Ben Simmons. And then in the summer, after getting swept (laughs) by the Celtics, Mm -hmm. Kyrie Irving asks for a trade. Nothing materializes. Nobody wants to trade for him. Nobody wants to pay up the money. He ends up opting in. With the Brooklyn Nets, K, uh, the this this literally this October that just passed the whole anti-Semitic thing. He tweeted out a tweet to a movie that was that had anti-Semitic rhetoric. Mm-hmm. He didn't back down. He kept doubling down on it. After he got suspended, he ended up apologizing. He apologized to the media, apologized to the fans, whatnot, whatnot. And then we had two and a half months of blissful, mistake-free, problem-free <laughs> basketball. Mm-hmm. I just detailed three years worth of stuff, and we had mm-hmm. two and a half months of bliss-free basketball <laughs> from Kyrie Irving. 
Mm-hmm. In those two and a half months, he was sensational. He is now going to be starting in the All-Star game. That's the caliber of player Kyrie Irving is. Mm-hmm. And the Nets were very successful because of that. Kevin Durant was looking like an MVP. Kyrie Irving, like I said, almost like an all-NBA type of player, 50-40-90 type of guy. And yet still, in February, he demanded a trade. Mm-hmm. So despite those two and a half months of amazing, good, fun times, <laughs> this Nets team is back, maybe, question mark, we still get a trade. He is now a Dallas Maverick. Out of yes. the KD Kyrie tenure, the Nets won one playoff series in 2021, never made a conference finals run, although Kevin Durant's toe might have changed that, got swept twice. Kyrie played in 143 out of a possible 306 playoff, uh, regular season games mm-hmm. and 13 of a possible 17 playoff games. I've written this down because I want to show you. Mm-hmm. And really, the rest of the Mavericks audience that might be listening to this, Mm -hmm. that if you do sign on long term, this might spell the beginning of the end of the Luka era in Dallas. That's Mm -hmm. how big of a gamble it was. Yeah. So I I just to me, it's like, how is that worth it? If you're assessing, forget, forget Dorian Finney-Smith, forget the 2029 first, forget Spencer Dinwiddie. Forget even the, the the whole the the value point of this trade. I don't want to talk about that. Mm-hmm. If this is a gamble you're making and saying we're betting on this guy to be Luca's partner, yeah, for the next how however long years, mm-hmm. and if it doesn't work, Luca might ask out. After what I just said, how are you gonna say that <laughs> Kyrie Irving is the type of guy to make that gamble on? That's mm-hmm. all I'm gonna say. That, yeah. That's the only thing I'll say on Kyrie Irving. I'm sure I'm sorry to do the spiel, but no, I had to. no, no. I, it is relevant. It's true, <laughs> and it's that's that's the, the thing is is it's the reality that Dallas is in. And do you want to ever be in a position where you have to consider giving up significant assets yeah. to sign on for a gamble? You don't ever want to find yourself in that position. But that is how the Mavericks have have managed themselves over the last couple of years. That is how they've set themselves up. That is what. Kind of, they set up by not by completely botching the Jalen Brunson situation, which everyone has speak yeah. spoken on at, at length. Well, that's what, uh, that's, Ky- what that's what created this, right? Exactly, I mean, exactly. Yeah. And so for Luca, I mean, don't get me wrong, the Kyrie history is atrocious, but like you said, the last two months have been pretty good, and they've really only got three months left to see. Okay. It's here until the playoffs, and then come playoff time, we'll just see what happens. And for Dallas, I mean, as crazy as it sounds, let me let me look back a little bit at Spencer Dinwiddie and Dorian Finney-Smith, and then, yes, you have the picks, whatever. But for Dallas, Spencer Dinwiddie, there have been nights when it's amazing, really great, yeah. and then there have been nights where it is absolutely terrible, like mm-hmm. terrible. <laughs> and then with Dorian Finney-Smith, I love him, heart and soul of the team, not a needle mover, period. So for Dallas, you were eyeing this future of mediocrity and hoping that you would get lucky on a trade scenario. And for Dallas, the Kyrie Irving situation is not at all ideal. It's There are many, many flaws in this plan, if you can even consider it that, because there's so much uncertainty. Maybe right. a guess? I don't know. And so for Dallas, you recognize that Kyrie Irving, if you're monitoring this situation... His number one and the reason he 
probably the biggest reason he left Brooklyn was because he did not get the extension that he wanted. And I think one of the biggest pieces of this whole puzzle with Dallas is the fact that Mark Cuban likes money, he likes to win, and he wants to give Luka a star. He has been itching for that almost as much as the Knicks have wanted a star. And so I think for Dallas signing on for this, I do think that Kyrie, I don't think that they're in, they know one, they know they're not in a position to play hardball. And I think they're going to give Kyrie probably the most favorable. They're going to offer him the most favorable extension that he would have received. They have to. Yeah, they have to. And so for those reasons, I do as of right now, and literally anything can change at any point, especially with Kyrie. But I do think that Dallas making this gamble, I think that they're going to be willing to kind of give him pretty much whatever he wants because they don't have an option. And I don't necessarily even think that that means that they're committing to him for all of those years. I think everybody knows that. But for Dallas, if you can just get him to sign that pen, even if it's two years, even if it's two years, even if it's four years, and that ends up being a liability, moving on from Kyrie when he ultimately inevitably demands a trade, you will still be in a conversation of having players that are going to come back that you were not going to be in a conversation before. And I'm not saying... I'm not saying it's going to be some crazy, some crazy uh, deal, but we're looking. But at, at least you can get something back. Right? You can get something back, and right now, I mean, the Christian Wood of it all could help soften the blow of the draft picks that got moved, or even a current win now player. We'll see what that looks like. Um, and again, especially considering what you gave up for him, that that conversation has been had. But with Dallas right now, if you don't want for Kyrie you know that the priority number one is money and you know that you can probably get him to sign an extension whether he intends to to keep that commitment all the way through or not. You just got to get him to sign it. And yeah. because it's only three months and because it's just the playoffs, in order to get the deal that he wants the most years, the most money, the most favorable, he's got to show up and play. And so I do ultimately think they will be able to do enough over these next couple of months to get him to sign that. And then from there with Kyrie, it is literally day by day, but at least by then, I mean, Oh, this is what I was going to say for even just a three month rental. We got, we just saw Chris Paul get offered Chris Paul, Jay Crowder and picks. That was unspecified. surprised that that was, I was also surprised. And and if I'm being completely honest, I think there are other situations that, I mean, you mentioned uh, Trey young is the bad example, but like the Hawks and we're seeing some teams get very desperate. I think if Kyrie does come available and he's got years left on his deal, when he ultimately decides, Hey, you know, Dallas actually isn't the right city for me. Let's just phrase it that way. Um, I think that he will he will demand a trade. He will have years left on his deal, and then Dallas can look around, and that might be when the Timberwolves say, you know what? We've really tried. We really suck. We need mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards to have something new to roll with. I mean, there are plenty of options. I mean, I think even the Zach Levine conversation could come back around. Right. But the big, yeah. I mean, and that's, again, a whole other conversation, but the point is, is that for the Mavs, this completely shook up what their future was going to look like. And they needed that so, so bad. And so as much of a gamble as it is, I think they needed to do it or it was just going to be a slow, painful death in this Luka era. It's also a gamble on how good Luka Doncic is, by the yeah, way. Because for sure. I, I think I think it's totally fair to say, hey, Luka is a guy that you can give him. And we've had this conversation before right here on this podcast. Give Luka anybody that is decently good and they will have a chance mm-hmm. at winning an NBA championship. Kyrie Irving is very decently good. He is that caliber of a player. He is that caliber of a star. And like we said, the encore fit offensively is going to be awesome, although there are defensive questions. I think, like you said, look, it is it is a gamble. And, mm-hmm. you know, 
a lot of people, folks, like to gamble. I have to do my segue here because I'm trying to do my best. Think you know what way it's going to go. Make your bet at Sports Interaction. As much as we love hockey, we're looking forward to one of the biggest days in sports, Super Bowl 57. And Sports Interaction has you covered pregame, in-game, and prop bets. Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com SDPN or in Ontario, download the app using the QR code on your screen. Please play responsibly, 19+. plus. So, um, there are the the league-wide ramifications of this. Uh, you kind of touched of it, t- touched on it with uh, Phoenix, because I think that's a really, really interesting mm-hmm. aspect to look on. I think the Dallas of it all, because, man, if we ever drop merchandise, by the way, for this podcast, of it all is going to be such a catchphrase. <laughs> You've coined that. I, I got I to gotta give it to you. Hats <laughs> to you for coining of it all. But... Uh, the the Dallas Mavericks of it all, I feel like we've talked about for this last 20 minutes. I think it's clear. It's a gamble. It's a bet that they're taking. Let's see what happens over the over these next three months. Let's see how Luca and Kyrie look like on the court. And we'll 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 have more podcasts to come for sure when it comes to you know the Luca and Mavs and Kyrie situation. No doubt. Mm-hmm. When it comes to the league wide ramifications, I think the first place to look at is with the Brooklyn Nets themselves with Kevin Durant, and that's the biggest question of. All of these questions that we are going to try to answer in these next couple of weeks is how happy does Kevin Durant look right now losing Kyrie Irving? This three-year saga, four-year saga with Kyrie has been a mess. It's been a headache. It's put him in a negative light to to some people. I think, you know, like you said, DFS and, and Dinwiddie, they have their goods and their bads. I'm not sure how much that helps them compete. I think they still are com- a competitive roster in the Eastern Conference, but the Eastern Conference is tough. Like pay, playing the Celtics, playing the Cavs, playing the Bucks or the Sixers, I don't think I would favor the Nets in any of those series. Maybe, maybe the Cavaliers. And I don't think, I still think I would pick the Cavs in a series against the Nets right now. Mm-hmm. Um, so losing Kyrie is that big to them. And I, I, I know they might not be done. I know there's a couple of days here. Hey, Maybe by the time this podcast is out, maybe they've made another move. <laughs> right. But I just, my question is, it just seems so obvious that Kevin Durant is on his way out. Yeah. And that's the next shoe to drop. So does that shoe drop in the next three days or does this shoe drop in the summer? And I, I mm-hmm. think I lean summer. I don't, th- I don't think it's possible to, to create a trade for that t- caliber of a player in the next 72 hours. Right. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you. I do think it's the next shoe to drop, but I, I would pretty much put all my money, if we're staying on the betting theme, uh, that it's going to take place over this summer, especially yeah. when they're over here aggressively kind of comparing and weighing all these offers and trying to, I guess, have entertain this somewhat of a bidding war for Kyrie uh, to make sure that they get the, the best possible return. Um, I do want to add, I have not gotten the press release that this trade is official. So the question would of it all trying to I I heard Chris Haynes this morning potentially talk about a uh, a flipping of Spencer Dinwiddie to try and potentially get something else personally I think Spencer Dinwiddie is a good fit uh, especially if you look past the Chris Paul deal and you decide to go with the Mavericks deal mm-hmm. but I will be very intrigued to see if they try and expand this deal if there's something with Christian Wood that inc- incorporates even a uh, third or even a fourth team uh, if it gets a little crazy. So I'm I'm intrigued to see what that looks like for Brooklyn. But yeah, I don't think that they are are done at all. I think they're going to gun for it this year, as and I, and I believe that they should um, when you've got a guy like Kevin Durant, especially when this could potentially be the last year. And 
if yeah. they, I mean, barring some significant move here in the next three days, I think it just might be the last year of Kevin Durant. Yeah, and and look, I, I've I've seen a lot of podcasts, a lot of talks. I think Kevin Co- Kevin O'Connor he dropped an article mentioning Toronto uh, as a potential landing spot to to be included in a three way deal. Something that sends Fred Van Vliet over there. I mean, there are interesting prospects, maybe that could be tagged on. Maybe the Raptors are big fans of Cam Thomas's. Maybe they love Dayron Sharp. Obviously, there's I think there's one more nets pick that they can send out there and then there's mm-hmm. obviously the dallas pick that can be rerouted if they choose to do so so i i yeah you're right the trade isn't official maybe there's a third team that jumps on here and and there's some more assets thrown in i guess my question with that is like how much of a difference does that make for brooklyn and and who's out there that can be that big of a difference maker um i'm not really sure I, I yeah. don't know. I don't think there is a guy out there right now in the trade market. Even if even Fred Van Vliet, like, I mean, throw throw Fred on the nets. And I think, honestly, I, I, I think he would obviously make them better. I think they would be awesome. I think they would be friskier. But do I still see them beating the Celtics or the Bucks for that matter, or the Sixers? I don't. I don't yeah, think they, I'm they would Yeah, I'm with you there. That. Yeah. So I, I don't know what happens with the nets, but I think, to your point, the writing is on the wall. And it's just when the inevitable shoe will drop of Kevin Durant being moved. And yeah. and when that shoe drops, by the way, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be absolutely insane because there aren't those questions that were there in the summer. However stupid the questions were, however lame the questions were, the questions existed. In the summer, people were saying, ah, oh, Kevin Durant didn't look that great against the Celtics. He got swept. He kind of looked slow. The separation wasn't there. He's missed a bunch of games. Do people really want to trade for him? And I think some of that seeped into what the teams were looking at too. And they're like, I don't know if we want to offer everything. That's kind of crazy. Right. I don't think that question will be there this summer. I think there's no question how how good of a player he is legacy-wise, but this season he's proven that he can be an MVP caliber of player. Mm -hmm. So I don't don't think those questions will be there. I think everybody will throw the kitchen sink to get Kevin Durant. So um, yeah, I I don't know. The other side of this is Phoenix, LA, Clippers. Those are the teams that have been mentioned. You, which one do you want to talk about? I'll give you free reign to kind of choose. I think, I think we should touch on Phoenix, given that there's just uh, Devin Booker set to make his return. Uh, right. So I, I, think we should, I think we should start there. Yeah, so obviously, thank you for, for bringing that up. But Devin Booker is set to be debuting against the Nets, I believe, on Tuesday, if I'm not mistaken. Tu- or, uh, sorry. Yes, Tuesday, Tuesday. Yes, so that is this morning for the people that might be listening uh, on Tuesday morning. <laughs> but yeah, so look, if, if Booker is back, and obviously, with a new ownership, uh, I've I've touched on this before, but you know this is kind of a common theme when new owners come in is that they want to make a trade. They're aggressive. They want to kind of get things going. They want to get their hands wet. They want to see what they can do out there. What does that mean? I think there's potential for Chris Paul to get to get moved. Where? That's the big question. I I really don't know what is out there for Chris Paul to get moved that makes the Suns better. Um, I think the Kyrie Irving trade was interesting because of that, because Mm -hmm. you could maybe argue to yourself, okay, Kyrie and Devin Booker, that is a hell of an offensive uh, backcourt. Um, Pair that with Aiton and Bridges and, you know, Cam Johnson. And wow, that's a really, really fun offensive team that can play some defense as well. I just, I don't know what else is out there. The Kyrie trade made uh, more sense to me, but Mm -hmm. if you're moving Chris Paul and Jay Crowder, let's say there's another guy out there. I don't know. Like, again, we go back to Fred Van Vliet. Like, is that the guy <laughs> yep. 
that makes that much of a difference for you? Are you willing to pay Fred Van Vliet that $30 million extension that he's looking for through four years? That is a question the Suns will have to answer. And on top of that, like, do the Raptors want Chris Paul? I, I don't think the Raptors want I don't want think Chris they Paul. do. I think they want to get younger. I think they want to have some some youth to inject into this to, to this team, into this roster. So I don't think Jake, uh, Jake Crowder and Chris Paul are things the Raptors would be interested in with Fred Van Vliet. So... I don't think that makes sense for them. I don't think that a deal is there uh, unless, you know, Suns ownership feels like Aiton is someone they can move. Maybe Cam Johnson, who still hasn't signed that extension, is another guy they can move and, and shift around. If those are the types of pieces, yeah. now you're looking at something more interesting. Now, okay, maybe we can get into the sweepstakes for an OG Ananobi. Maybe we can get into the sweepstakes for a Fred Van Vliet. Um, otherwise I just, I don't know what's, what's out there. Do, am I being too crazy for suggesting that or, um, for, for what specifically with, with Chris just Paul? like, just, just in general, like, like just in general, like, personally, I don't think so because when you look at the Suns right now, it's like, okay, they need to be competitive. They're, they're going in right now. What is the path to success? Because for a little bit, there was the whole questions around DeAndre Ayton, but now it's like, I mean, the way he's, he's played this year and, and, and what he's, especially with all the kind of factors going on over in Phoenix, they can't really afford to to move him right now. But at the same time, okay, who are you going to move? You're going to move Chris Paul. Well, let's look at who the market could be. I think you, I'm glad you brought up Toronto, but like you said, I don't see why they would want to sign on for that. Even though I think there are about, there are several players that Phoenix would love to have that are on the Raptors right now. And so then I look around and I'm like Clippers, Timberwolves, um, that's pretty much it. I mean, I think <laughs> Miami was the other one. And right. and and those three, what are you going to do with that? I just don't see something that's actually worth it for the Suns to do, which yeah, then kind of circles it back around to I like the Cam Johnson. I think the Cam Johnson call out is is interesting because when you look at um Mikhail Bridges and the step even the, the continued step forward that he keeps making, uh, I think that that plays a big part into what's going to happen uh with cam johnson which is really ironic because the jay crowder of this all started with them wanting to give this more opportunity all. to cam johnson uh so who knows what happens there i will be interested to see if they kind of look around at situations that are kind of have maybe timed out i think a john collins situation could be interesting but what does Atlanta get from? I mean, I think it would have to be like a Cam Johnson uh, plus kind of Jay Crowder salary filler like that. I think that could potentially yeah. be interesting. Um, and that makes sense to me for both sides, especially with Atlanta still having Okongwu and, and even Clint Capella if they decide to, to hold on to that. But the market That's for Chris Paul. The, yeah. yeah, the market. I, th- I think, I mean, there are several teams out there that if you're trying to take a step forward, I'm looking at Atlanta and I think that they will be too, uh, especially with the John Collins of it all. And so- yeah. For me, Phoenix is in a really tough spot because Chris Paul, you don't want to wait too long before you move on from that because if you wait too long, there's still three years left on that deal or two or whatever it is. There's a little bit of the Suns have taken a step back. He's older, injury questions. Then you're in a real tough spot. So I am interested to see, is it sooner than later with Chris Paul? And I do think that there's a decent shot that it could be. Question for you. Um... What about, and I'm throwing this out there, just a toss out, okay? This is another team that yeah. we're going to be talking about, which is the That's Clippers, who are dire, who are looking yeah. for a guard, right? They are looking and they're hunting yeah. for a guard. Fred Van Vliet is a guy they've mentioned. Mike Conley is someone that they've been talking about. Obviously, they they kind of 
looked into the Kyrie Irving situation, although Zach Lowe kind of talked about how he doesn't know how how serious they were when it comes to inquiring about Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. What about a reunion with Chris Paul? What about think- that? Like, 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 what if, what if they do? Uh, you know, obviously, Terrence Mann is someone they don't want to move. But what if there's right. some salary stuff plus a pick? You know, like Luke Kennard, Marcus Morris, and you know, Covington, things like that. Jackson. Yeah, sure. there are yeah. several players out there that are in that double-digit figure uh, that they could move. And there, the Kennard one, I think, was even mentioned today for probably like the fiftieth time that they have interest in moving off of his salary. And for yeah. Phoenix, they've got guys that. That are, I mean, there are younger options if Terrence Mann is truly untouchable. I think Brandon Boston is another guy who's intriguing, a, a wing that can score that you could invest in if you do end up needing to go a little bit younger. So I do like the Clippers call out because, again, if you're Phoenix and you're looking forward, I know that they're, uh, that Matt, uh, remind his last name, I can't Ishbia. Thank you, Ishbia, Ishbia. Listen, Um, Mannion, Nico Harrison, Matt Ishbia. Oh, God, I'm like, what's his last name? I know it. I've seen it a million times, but I just couldn't, it couldn't come to me. But it's, he, it has been made clear that he wants to win and he wants to win now. So moving off of Chris Paul, I don't know if that's something that he's fond of. I think James Jones might see the writing on the wall. So is there a potential clash there? Is that something that one way or another they can get on, on board with? But I do like the Clippers a lot because... Um, personally, I think Masai is not pulling that trigger on a Fred Van Fleet deal unless they're getting something of substance. And I don't know that the Clippers are going to be willing to offer that, but a potentially, uh, kind of, I guess, tough situation with Chris Paul with the contract, that could be the one. And look like Chris Paul, let's try to look at it from both sides for the Clippers. They get a ball handler. They get a guy who they they've been looking desperately for a guy who can be a ball handler. He kind of fits in the age range of the Paul George and the Kawhi. So it's like, hey, once your whole core is done, it's like, all right, let's just start all over, trade everybody. You know what I mean? Like you can actually do that with this core potentially. Uh, The other side is for the Suns. I think the leaps that Devin Booker has made as a playmaker makes you more confident in letting go of a Chris Paul because now you're not as reliant on Chris Paul's playmaking and secondary playmaking. So if you if you end up getting a Kennard, if you end up getting a Terrence Mann, if you end up getting some of these like wing players that the Clippers have, then they can slot in beside a Booker. And now yeah. you have Bridges, Cam Johnson, you have Terrence Mann, you have maybe Kennard, you have right and like these are guys that you can just slot in right beside Booker, kicking, driving kick scenarios that Monty Williams loves to loves to kind of create. From I think that is, I think that's a nice pick. I don't know, maybe mm-hmm. I'm just. I like it. it. Out there. I don't hate it. I, I, there are far worse, uh, I guess, outcomes for Phoenix right now if you're looking ahead. Right. Uh, when it comes to the Lakers, though, and I think that's what a lot of people have touched on. I don't want to go too long on them, but I think at the end of the day, this has put them in a really tough spot. The fact that you know. Kyrie was the the one kind of silver lining, the one, the, the light at the end of the tunnel, if you will, because they thought, hey, first and foremost, we might be in the lead to trade for Kyrie right now. It could give us a chance to sign him in the summer as well and go over the tax if we'd like to, because we have the bird rights now to be able to sign him. And now it's to the point where like, okay, look, if the Mavs decide to keep him long-term, then there's no way we can get him. Um, we don't have the cap space available to us in the summer anyways to go out and just straight up sign him. And now because of the Rui Hachimura deal, it's harder for you to create that cap space unless you just let Rui Hachimura go. So I I don't know. I have I, I don't know 
where the Lakers front office's heads at. I know they offered the both the picks. They went all in on Kyrie. It didn't pan out. So do they maneuver? Do they pivot and look at Utah now and say, hey, Mike Conley, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, we'll give you Russell Westbrook, we'll give you Austin Reeves, we'll give you the two picks, mm-hmm. yes or no? And I honestly, I love that deal for the Lakers because I think those are three guys that can be rotation guys. We've talked about it a bunch about how like they just need more guys that they can rely on in their rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I think that's one one aspect for me. But it puts the Lakers in a tough and precarious position because it's like, man, how do you how do you move on from this? How do you try to maneuver things? And like, it should be a good time for that franchise because LeBron James is about to pass Kareem. And, you know, LeBron is playing out of his mind. Anthony Davis is playing out of his mind. It should be a fun time for the franchise. But it's tough when your team isn't competitive. They're at the bottom of the barrel when it comes to the play-in race in the Western Conference. I, I just, it's tough. It's a tough pill to swallow today if you're a Lakers fan, to be honest mm-hmm. with you. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. I agree. I do think that the Utah package out there is the best package for them right now. Um, I've I've seen some stuff with San Antonio, some stuff with Charlotte, and to me, those are the three th- the the three teams that are really their only options right now. Um, but I again, do they move the needle? I don't know. That that kind of remains to be seen, in in my yeah. opinion. But I do think it it significantly helps them in terms of giving them guys, which is something that you and I have just pounded into the ground that the Lakers need to do. Uh, so I won't be surprised if we see something happen there. Uh, but for them, I mean, then you're looking at whether it be, if it's Charlotte, you're taking on Terry Rozier's first uh, future money. If it's Utah, you're taking on Mike Conley's future, future yeah. money. Uh, and if it's San Antonio, it's, that's in my opinion, the least favorable of the three packages, but at least there's not future money locked up barring a Jakob Pertle expen- extension, excuse me. Uh, but again, there are many questions that come with that. So for the Lakers, what, what do you want to do? Do you, I mean, and, and the, we, the free agency class is not all that great either. Uh, yeah. So for the Lakers, I don't know what they end up doing, but while you have this sizable contract to, potentially add a bunch of guys, even someone like Terry Rozier, who I actually think would be really great in LA. Um, mm-hmm. I think you got to do it. I think you got to just bite the bullet and do it. And so I'm nervous for them, what that ends up being. I think, I also think that their best chance could be to try and open it up to a kind of big multi-team trade uh, to, to really bring in more guys. But again, I just don't know that it's going to get done exactly the way they want it to. Yeah. Um, and look, I don't know. It's it's going to be – we'll see what happens with the Lakers. Yeah. I feel like we've talked so much about Kyrie and, and the Lakers and whatnot over these past couple of weeks. I'm kind of kind of getting tired of it, folks. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't believe you. Couple of couple of small little tidbits that just dropped. Furkan Korkmaz has demanded a trade, whatever that is supposed to be. Uh, he is the Sixers sharpshooter. I, look, demanded a trade for a player of that caliber. I'm sure he'll get moved. He'll be included in something. But uh, I'm not sure how much that changes the Eastern Conference playoff race. Mark Cuban also just uh, kind of spoke about the Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic pairing. He said, I think this can be a great fit for both of them. They can play off of each other. And given that both can uh, get where they want to on the court, it's going to put a lot of pressure on defenses. So just a more generic quote about, uh, you know, their on-court fit. Nothing really crazy to talk about there. I do want to talk about Steph Curry real quick before we head out. Steph Curry, 
Um, it seemed like he had hurt himself in, in a game against the Dallas Mavericks, funny enough. And it was a leg injury, but now it seems like he's been ruled out indefinitely after suffering partial tears to his, and I'm sorry, I'm not a, I'm not a biology person, but his sub superior tibiofibular ligaments and interosseous membrane, as well as a lower leg contusion. Again, Jesus Christ, I'm not one of those people, <laughs> but, uh, it's, he's expected to miss multiple weeks. Although Steve Kerr kind of calmed the calmed the storm a little bit and said that like, look, he's coming back this season and we're hoping that it's sooner than later. He's lucky that he didn't kind of have a, a more significant injury. Um, my question with this, and I guess we can wrap with this, is does this change the Warriors' aggressiveness? And what the heck happens to the Warriors in general? Because mm -hmm. as we're looking at it, they are now 27 and 26. They have won six of their last 10. They're okay. They were kind of trending up, to be honest with you, with the whole Steph thing. Their their rotation was kind of figuring it out, but they're eighth. And Steph is about to be out for, quote-unquote, multiple weeks, potentially for even past the All-Star break. So what do you think happens here with the Warriors? Uh, I know Steve Kerr you know, supposedly calmed everyone. And, and I don't know what that confidence meter is at, but they need to figure it out quick because mm -hmm. even if he returns, is he rushed? Is there a chance? And how good is that chance of lingering injuries? Um, because they have pieces to move. I know that they're, you know, the Jonathan Kaminga and, and, and um, James Wiseman, and even someone like Dante DiVincenzo, who I don't think that they would really even be that interested in moving right now, considering how good for them he's been in his role. Um, I just don't know that given the pieces that they have to move and the, the names that are out there and that have maybe shifted a little bit, whether it be OG, who I don't think they have a shot of getting, um, Miles Turner signing his extension. I just don't know what the market looks like for Golden State to really make a move right now. And so yeah. if there are enough questions with Steph, part of me will not be surprised if they do end up standing pat. Um, I think I've said for so many weeks, they have to make a move. They have to make a move. You cannot waste this year. Um, but as I kind of am looking around the market, maybe they make some sort of um, kind of fringe move, adding to their guard depth from an insurance perspective. But I don't know that it's going to be an eye popping. Whoa, all of a sudden they have Fred Van Fleet. All of a sudden <laughs> they have like D'Lo or something just completely random. That's like a, right. an eye popping name. I, it's really, really difficult for me to envision that happening. I do think they'll be, and I agree with you. I don't think they're going to make a big splash, but I do think they'll be in the running for some of these fringe rotation players just to solidify the rotation a little bit more yeah. so that when Steph comes back, they can go on a tear. Yeah. Uh, whether it's like an Alex Caruso, whether it's like, I don't know, um, I doubt they go for like a Bones Highland, but you know what I mean? Like some I like kind the of- Caruso, The Caruso is a good one. Yeah, maybe even Jakob Pertl, like if they end up going for Jakob Pertl. So like one of these types of guys, just to add another bench piece. You know, if that Lakers-Jazz deal doesn't work out, what about Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt? I think those are two guys that could also help the Warriors, right? Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know what they end up doing, but I think if anything, this kind of puts the onus on them to make a move because... You know, we've talked about it on this podcast, but the Draymond Green thing, he, he's most likely gone this summer. That means this is qu your quote-unquote last dance with this <laughs> core. Um, and, you know, if Steph comes back in mid-March and you're kind of like 7, 8, 9 in the Western Conference, you got to be aggressive and yeah. go for it uh, because you really never know. And look, to your point, 
if we're if we're kind of circling back to to everything that we talked about at the beginning beginning of this, that's why the Mavericks traded for Kyrie Irving, because they know that this Western Conference isn't the most daunting of tasks. They know that you know pound for pound they probably have one of, if not the best player in the conference, and I think they're comfortable saying like, hey. We'll take our chances with Kyrie and Luka against the Suns. We'll take our chances against the Clippers or the Kings or the Grizzlies or even the Nuggets, even though Nikola mm-hmm. Jokic is there. I think they're very comfortable being like, hey, man, let's roll the dice on this season. Let's see what happens. And to your to 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 the point that I'm making now, I think there are other teams that are looking around in the Western Conference and probably thinking the same thing, yep. whether it's Phoenix that we just touched on or the Warriors or the Lakers. All of these teams are so interesting to head heading into the trade deadline because of the fact that this Western conference is wide open because anybody can win it because I don't know if I'm a hundred percent confident in the nuggets or the Grizzlies or the Kings or Clippers or whatever for the amount of times, you know, things that we've mentioned before. So that is all I got. Anything you got for me? No, I think we touched on just about everything. (laughs) We tried, we tried in 47 and a half minutes. We appreciate you guys, ladies and gentlemen, for tuning in to the Objective Basketball Podcast. As always, go ahead, do the liking, the subscribing, the you know, reviewing, if you will, for this podcast. We appreciate you guys tuning in. For the people who have tuned in for all this time, shout out to y'all for listening to this podcast consistently. We are doing a live trade deadline show. Uh, it'll be on Thursday from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. So please tap in, jump in, and talk to us on YouTube. It should be a lot of fun. And uh, LG, I'll see you later, bro. Mm-hmm. Okay. Peace. Have a good one, guys. Follow House at Just S. Barahini on all socials and at the Lauren Gun on Twitter. The Objective Basketball Podcast. Delivering the NBA to you like no other.